can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long tongue liar. And welcome to Radio Free Canada. I'm Kevin Annett, your host. It's wonderful to be back, as always. It's wonderful to be alive. What's done in the dark will be brought to the light. Amen, brother. That's why we're here, to not only bring out the hidden works of darkness, but to bring them down. As is happening this week, next week actually, in Europe, on April 30th, when the so-called Ninth Circle cult, satanic cult of ritual killing, is planning to sacrifice several dozen children in nine cities, our ITCCS team and activated citizens will be stopping those rituals as best we can and even beyond our abilities. So we are going to report on that today. We also have as a special guest a survivor of a satanic ritual cult in Canada, Dave Staffan. Honored uh, that he's with us today. He's going to share some of how he broke free, the courage and the clarity it took to break free, but also how this cult continues today, what we can do to stop it. We're here every Sunday at the BBS Network, itccs.org. And I want to start with a quote from Samuel Adams, that firebrand from the American Revolution. It does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority, keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men, and he should have said women. Well, we're not only here to bring about that change in thought, but also to train people to take action. And we're continually doing so, but this example of the Ninth Circle is even more an indication of why we need to take that action, protect the lives of the innocent, and to bring down the system that's profiting off that and allowing it to happen. The question, too, of course, is what will you do? Not to sit back and listen to how it happens, but what you can do in your communities, because this reach is everywhere. The Roman Catholic Church, the prime motivator of the Ninth Circle, is using the money and the support from every Catholic community around the world to further its crimes. We all have an obligation to go and stop that action. We're armed with common law court order, a papal nullification order from April 2014, which legally allows us to shut down any Catholic church or official who was involved in this action. We have the means, now it's just a matter of, of taking that action. So we're going to get into that today, but first of all, before we uh, talk to Dave Staffan, I want to do a little bit of ba- a background for you folks. We're uh, looking at uh, not simply the Ninth Circle, of course, but who, who is behind it. The who, of course, we know about, satanic ritual killing, uh, the indication of child trafficking, which, of course, is a massive global industry. We know that the Ninth Circle, one of the main forces behind it, of course, is the Drangheta Mafia. We know they, they and some of the major banks around the world are funding this child sacrificial network and the human trafficking network, which allows it to happen. Human trafficking is involving tens of millions of victims every year and is a multi-million, multi-billion dollar global industry. And one of the forces that has been promoting it for a long time off the radar is this group called Opus Dei. Now, that's a Catholic cult which operates behind the, you know, the screen just a lot like the Jesuits, controlling Vatican finances. In fact, I'm going to mention this later in the show, the extent of their reach is amazing. They involve former presidents. Uh, secretaries of state, heads of the CIA. They're heavily involved in the banking industry, the same banks funding the drug laundering and uh, human trafficking. And here's one example. One of the places in Ireland where these cult rituals are going to occur next week is at the Hell of Tara, which is a sacred Celtic site, right down the road from a Jesuit center actually funded by Opus Dei. Now, a few years ago, the Irish government decided to run a highway called the M3 through the Sacred Valley near Tara. It was called the Valley of the White Mare, dedicated traditionally to the goddess Gavra. And this was one of the most sacred sites in traditional Ireland. Well, they, the Opus Dei run a highway down through it because they fund it uh, to, right through this traditional site. Part of the process of grabbing the energy of that area to use for their nefarious purposes, which includes, as it turns out, child sacrificial rites, which will occur at a place called the Liz Mullen Center, L-I-S-M-U-I-L-L-I-N. That's what we have from our sources in Ireland. So that's one of the places for listeners in Ireland today to get out and protest at and stop uh, that ritual next week. The Liz Mullen Center near, it's only five miles northeast of the Hill of Tara, 
itself southwest of Dublin, Dublin, just an hour's drive. Some other places, and we promise to share these with you on the air, other places where these cult events are happening. The San Lorenzo Jesuit Church in Rome. The uh, two places in central London, the Temple Church, that's the traditional uh, Church of the Knights Templar in the city of London, and the United Masonic Ground Lodge. Those are both in downtown London, the city of London. Montreal, the Marie-Rendemont Cathedral, uh, the main Catholic cathedral downtown Montreal. Brantford, and we're going to be talking about that today. It's the site of the oldest Indian school, a site where our guest Dave Steffen was actually taken as part of the cult ritual. And... Near, just down the road from that, is the Mohawk Chapel, the first church built in central Canada by the Church of England, a site also for ritual killing. We also have a report that in the Victoria, British Columbia area, there will be actions of ritual killings on the night of Beltane, April 30th, in a week. Washington, D.C., St. John's Episcopal Church, the church closest to the White House, interestingly enough, right at Lafayette Square. And other addresses in Geneva, Brussels, Frankfurt, and Paris, which we're still having disclosed. So those are the places it's happening. Those are the targets that we're going to mobilize to save the lives of children next April 30th, this next Sunday, this coming April 30th. So we're going to be uh, having an updated report on that. Finally, um, the another thing I want to flag for listeners is, connected to this, of course, uh, is new crimes of humanity that we are bringing out. And one of them, and I just want to flag this, is the Vatican-run genocide of the Serbs, the Jews, and the Roma people, the Gypsies, in Croatia during the 1930s and 40s. A genocide that killed over one and a half million people, but which has been wiped out from the history books because, as in the Canadian residential schools, it was directly controlled out of Rome. It was run by the Vatican. The Croatian Catholics were funded by the Vatican, trying to wipe out uh, the Orthodox Serbs and Jews and others who are against the Roman Catholic faith, faith are not part of it. And the Roman Catholic Church actually sent in bishops, Franciscan monks and others to run the death squads, to herd up people, to kill them uh, in the in the Josanovich death camp. Now, of course, after the war, this was covered up by the Americans who used the Vatican rat lines to bring a lot of Nazis out of, the, out of Europe. So the whole Croatian-Vatican connection was concealed as thoroughly as it has been in Canada. But there is a common law court we are convening in Belgrade, Serbia, and in Croatia over the next number of months and in the fall. And it will bring out once again the Vatican role, in direct role, in genocide, and another reason to bring down this corrupt institution through our common law courts and our direct actions. That's our, our uh, preview. We'll talk about a little bit of this more later. But I understand Dave Stefan is now on the line with us. Dave, are you there? I'm here. Kevin? Dave, it's wonderful to have you back. And um, for folks who didn't hear your first interview with us, I wanted to uh, just ask you, explain a little bit about what you went through at a young age. What exactly we're dealing with when we're talking about satanic ritual cults? Well, I was born into... Uh... I guess like an intergenerational family where my both my parents uh, were practicing Satanists. And so uh, it begins very early. Uh, of course, if you, if you uh, Google betrayal trauma, Dr. Jennifer Freed of the University of Oregon talks about why a child can't remember all those horrific events that happened at the hands of their mom and dad and other caretakers and it is because of their survival instinct uh if if uh, a child could accept that their their own parents did those things to them they would lose their will to survive oh. and there's studies in england that during world war ii when they moved a lot of the babies to dormitories up north to escape the uh, german bombing uh these babies were well cared for but they lived they missed the loving nourishment of their mom and right. their dads, and some of them just died because they lost their will to live. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, rem- you know, I didn't remember anything that happened to me. But at two years old, I was taken to events at the bottom of the Anglican church of which uh, my family went to, and uh, subjected to events designed to to measure my courage, will, compassion, and loyalty. These types of things, because. People in cults want to know the attributes of their offsprings so that they can utilize them at a later age for the cult. So 
all kinds of things go on there. Uh, fighting goes, there's fighting. They use animals, big snakes, rats, other boys uh, to fight with. And just to measure your determination and your willingness to uh, fight on behalf of those you were with kind of thing. And, and your compassion. I, I have uh, quite a few memories of them killing puppy dogs and then uh, put, putting me in the spot where I had to do something about it and uh, how far I would go to, do, uh, to try and protect those puppies, those kinds of things. But it, then sometime in my third year, I should mention that those two-year-old events that happened in your second year Women were present, and it was a gay old time at the bottom of the church. It was a hazy, smoke-filled room because, of course, in the late 50s, the mid and late 50s and early 60s, everybody smoked. Uh, and it was kind of a party atmosphere for the adults because they watched these little wee boys do these uh, outlandish things. But sometime in my third year, the events changed dramatically. Uh, women were no longer present. Uh, Sometimes robes were worn, chanting was heard, and the, there was events designed now to, uh, for my initiation into the cult of my, of my uh, dad and other relatives now deceased. Uh, to initi- be initiated into the cult, you had to kill a human being with a, by stabbing him through the heart with a knife that they gave you. So they would have some poor soul there, a, a man. Uh, as I look, you know, as I look back, the man was drugged, and they would create these scenarios where, to protect myself and babies and children younger than me, I would have to kill this, to kill this man. And uh, somehow, I was able to refuse to kill. At three years old, I made the choice: no, I won't do that. And I know God was with me, and I, every time I refused, I was rushed by my dad and, and other men. And at, at that time, I would be beat, tortured, and I would be sodomized in mind control, mind control program. As you're being sodomized, they mind control program you in your left ear. That's what my dad, my dad did. Every time I said no, this, this would happen. This went on and on and on, and uh, the cult leader would designed different events that he thought would cater to my peccadillos or whatever, my unique personality, whatever it was, to try and get me to do it. Uh, I was very adamant when dealing with these men, even at the young age, because I was disgusted with what they were trying to have me do. And I'm sure God's words flowed through my mouth when I told them on more than one occasion I yelled at them in disgust that I am better than you. I don't hurt people who can't fight back. Yep. Which sounds kind of comical coming from a three and four year old boy to a bunch of uh, cult member men. At that time, my dad would be 24 years old. But that was a declaration of war to them. That's how they took that. And uh, I made that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, I don't want to interrupt. You're Florida, but I just wanted to ask, you said it was in the basement of an Anglican church. Can you say what town that was in? Harris, Ontario, St. James Anglican Church. I've written them many times. I'm trying to get the church to give me an apology and give the other kids who went through this an apology. Because but we'll, we'll get to that. Like... I, want to talk, I, I want to hear okay. your story first, and we'll get into that, that part of it, okay, Dave? Okay. Um, uh, what I wanted to ask, too, just one other question to let you carry on. Um, for them to use the basement church like that, surely the church officials, the minister, the priest had to know. Did you see him anywhere? Was there any indication? Yes, of the, the, minister, the minister of the church at that time uh, was involved. I have memories of him, but he wasn't the person who was in charge of the cult. Okay. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. What so uh, that went on for some time, and I told them quite a few times that I thought that I was better than they were because I didn't hurt people who can't fight back. And this really created a problem for me in the long run. 
When I was five years old, uh, the cult leader declared, we must destroy him. If we don't destroy him someday, surely he will destroy us. And so my destruction began at five years old, where beating upon beating upon beating made me so that I was so afraid of confrontation in regular life that I was like a, like a church mouse. And, uh, one of the memories was they would try and make me beat up a baby. And when I didn't, I was beat up by boys older and bigger than me with boxing gloves on. I also had boxing gloves on. So they would tell me to beat up that girl, the little girl who was younger than me, knowing that I wouldn't do that. And when I didn't, those boys set upon me. And uh, I might get a little emotional because this memory is fairly recent. But uh, So they beat me to unconsciousness with those gloves, with the boxing gloves so there'd be no marks. A pail of water was poured on me, and this just went on and on. And I, I remember fighting and screaming and biting and uh, yelling at them the whole time, that not the boys I was fighting, but the men. Mm-hmm. And so finally they, they got me to hit that little girl. This was the first session of my destruction, and it just went on from there. The cult leader said, well, for the next, until I was 53 years old. Now, of course, they basically destroyed me when I was five, but they kept, kept seeking the revenge. My dad kept seeking the revenge against me for the next uh, 48 years until I figured out what was happening. In, in adult life, you, they drug you with date rape type drugs. Right. I think there's various kinds of them that allow them to do different things with you. And so, and there's so many people, that's the problem that the world doesn't realize the prevalence of cults because I've been drugged by many different people. It's like FTD flora in the, in the cult world. So my destruction went on and I spent my whole life believing I was a coward, that I was a, that I was afraid. I had lacks in the areas of self-love, self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence. That is why I wanted the church to give me an apology so that the other poor people who went through that at the same time I did or, or before and after would realize the cause of their many dysfunctions in life. Because if you've experienced that and didn't, weren't fortunate enough to have the healing I did, you will have many dysfunctions. You won't be able to operate in society. You'll be uncomfortable in all social, social situations. You'll be angry. Your family life will be... Terrible. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What, what would you... Uh, so let me just clarify this. It wasn't just a childhood experience. This continued through your entire life until the last few years. And if that's the case, how did you get out of it? Well, uh, I, I, I conservatively estimate I was probably drugged at least 450 times in my adult life, 30 years at 15 times a year, which, you know, I was drugged at my mom and dad drugged me at family occasions all the time, not to mention when they're those. See, when you, when you grow up like that, you, you don't know how to operate socially. So I, I grew up never having any friends, never knowing how to make friends. Right. So you would get involved with, you try and get involved with certain recreational activities to meet friends. But, of course, I didn't know how to meet friends. But I was a target for these people. So it was easy for them to put people in my life. And I would be drugged and subjected to the most humiliating, degrading, and acts of debasement that one can imagine. Because to understand, it, it's tough, it's difficult for the average person to understand what the cult world is like. Because we, like for instance, most of us love and cherish children. And we would protect children. You're interested in doing that, and so am I. To a cult person, a child is someone to use for their own perverted sexual gratification. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I had to learn that forgiveness is the way for me, or otherwise I'll be mired in the energies of hate all my life. To a person in the cult, revenge is the only way to go. And where I aspire to be all I can be in love and light, they're interested in hate and torment. 
and control of others. And so anyone listening to try and comprehend how that could have happened to me, these people walk around in our society like a wolf in a sheep's clothing. You can't tell who they are. They're oftentimes, in my experience, the social butterflies in your community who are doing charity work mm-hmm. and who uh, pretend to put on a, you know, a loving, kind, compassionate uh, facade, but they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. And well, that's important, Dave. I want to ask you about that because obviously the first question, and actually somebody just Skyped me this question for you um, about why didn't he go to the police when he was an adult. Now, I, I understand, like I want you to answer that, but um, they can't operate as wolves in sheep's clothing unless they've got a lot of other support from people in society, ministers, yeah. police, social workers covering from them. This ex- network extends widely into the institution, so let's talk about that too. But what do you say to that question? How, why didn't you report the power it? Structure, the power structure of society in Canada and the U.S. is controlled by darkness. Though good people in Canada and the U.S. outnumber people who hate, the people who hate are in control in Canada of all our political parties. Right. Because how else can you explain the residential school fiasco or Holocaust where all these uh, residential schools, each and every one uh, experienced, perpetrated rapes, murders, beatings, satanic rituals on these children? Not just in one school, but each and every school of each denomination for over 100 years. That's not an accident or a happenstance, that's a systemic, controlled genocide, attempted genocide. Mm-hmm. And so those, that power structure still exists. Now, the, the, the person wanted to know why I didn't go to police. First of all, I wasn't even aware this was happening to me. I was going through my life with my many dysfunctions, with, with almost an uncontrollable anger and fear at almost everything. Yep. What happened was, I finally realized after 30 years, and this is kind of, it's almost comical when I look back on it, that my anger was the cause of the dysfunction in my marriage and my family. And when I finally realized that my anger was the problem and nobody else was the problem, I really had to look in the mirror at myself, and I didn't like what I saw. It, it, it I was really uh, concerned that that because I didn't think I was that kind of person. Well, I get that, Dave. You know, anger is a completely legitimate reaction to this nightmare. And, you know, one of the things I found with the Native people when I was working with them is that they had to shift the focus. They had been told their whole life that they were the problem. They were savages. They needed to be Christianized. They they need healing now that we're going to give you. We shifted the focus to the perpetrators, saying, no, the issue isn't the victim. It's the system and the people who caused this. Are you finding that helpful? That approach? Well, we're talking about two different kinds of uh, anger, like righteous indignation and anger at what they do to those children, children or what is happening to children everywhere today is one thing. But the anger I had was just in every cell of my body, right. ready to erupt for nothing, because, that's, because my, my, I was angry at what had been done to me, but I, my conscious mind was not aware of it. So in his, uh, in his book, The Biology of Belief, Dr. Bruce Lipton states that each cell in our body is an entity unto itself and as such has its own brain. Each of these cells is connected energetically to one another and form, you know, collectively forms our subconscious. And our subconscious is like a tape recorder that records all events in our life. And it doesn't matter if we were drugged or inebriated, the memory's still there. So in, in an attempt to uh, find the causes of my anger and to expunge it from my energy field, God intervened and took me to Sandra Fecht, who may be the best healer of satanic ritual abuse in North America. We've spoken at conferences, her and I, and she's generally head and shoulders above anyone else there. And so I started to... Uh, Recall these memories, which is a very simple process. It does not involve hypnosis. Uh, and you have these memories. I've had hundreds upon hundreds of memories 
And as you relieve them, there are certain techniques, natural energetic techniques you can do to remove the energies that were put inside of you. And just having the memory helps relieve that from you. So through my therapies almost reaching the 10-year point, I've pretty much undone 53 years of satanic ritual abuse done at a very intense level upon me. Uh, I'm still working on things all the time because I uh, now am very spiritually oriented. Satanism is a spiritual attack against our energy field, so the healing for it is uh, a spiritual healings. Now, have you faced a uh, repercussion from any of your family members, any people in the cult for, for your recovery? Okay, well, I told you I thought I was a coward. Well, surprise, surprise for me. As I removed all this, you know, all this negativity and the, satan- the, the energies of these satanic rituals, all the effects from the post-traumatic stress incidents I experienced, my own loving attributes began to emerge. Because this is what the cult leader told my dad when they were destroying me. He said, you have to be very careful because what a person is and has been, what an entity is and has been cannot be changed. We can hide what he is under layer upon layer upon layer of fear, but he's still who he is, and if he finds out what right. happened to him and removes that, then and that's the same for all of us. So as I remove that and yeah. realize I, I uh, wasn't a coward, I started to confront those who had perpetrated some of these acts. And during the process of that, I had uh, two cars damaged. One of them was firebombed and... Uh, Basically, the tires melted right off the rims. Then I released YouTubes. I, I gave my statement to the policeman. And see, this is where the conspiracy of silence uh, comes into play because, you know, in the, in the early and mid-'90s, two events of significance happened on, in Ontario regarding Satanism. There was a case in eastern Ontario where over 200 children were subjected to satanic rituals. People were tried and convicted of this, and this was investigated by the Ontario Provincial Police. Also in the early 90s, in Thunder Bay, Ontario, more than 30 people of that community complained of being subjected to satanic rituals by other members of that community. So as a result of those allegations, there was ritual abuse conferences held in Thunder Bay that were attended by the government of the day from Ontario, law enforcement, There was doctors and healing people from all over North America that went to these conferences. That happened. Both those momentous things happened in the mid-'90s. But when I gave my statement to the OPP in 2010, the young detective, who I believe is a good man, told me that he didn't believe in Satanism and he didn't believe in cults. How can that possibly be if if they hadn't hidden it? They covered up what happened in the 90s. The government did, the media did. I've sent letter upon letter upon letter to all members of the media and to Premier Wynne asking for her to investigate what happened to me and my family, and I don't even, I can't elicit elicit even one reply. Not even a form letter, thank you for your letter. I've got a form letter, That's I haven't elicited one uh, serious reply. And I sent hundreds upon hundreds of letters to perpetrators, over 160 perpetrators also, and uh, only a very few of those ever took those to the police. Those letters Have you ever started publishing the names of the perpetrators? Well, I would be subject to lawsuits if I can't prove what I'm, what I'm, uh, what I'm saying. And uh, if at some point that is deemed to be in the best interest, then, then maybe that's what I'll have to do. But, uh, you know, I'm 62 years old. I'm not really, I don't think there's any job I could do except maybe be a greeter at Walmart or uh, work at McDonald's. So I'm but trying I tell to you, do brother, it. Um, you're just two years ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one year, actually. But let me tell you about the, just a short little point on that, the libel laws in Canada have actually been liberalized so that if you publicly accuse somebody of the most heinous thing, let's say, you know, you accuse so-and-so and you name a name of being part of a satanic cult, if, and we've had legal decisions in, in Ontario and B.C. about this, if 
you genuinely believed when you made the accusation that it was true, that's a defense, and it's then up to the person being accused to prove that it isn't, because you're acting in good faith. And there's, a, there's what's called a necessity defense under the law. If a child's life is at risk, the court has an obligation to look into that, even if it's virgin on libel, because uh, if something is true, it's not libelous. So I, I wanted to kind of, for you and other people's, people listening, that's often a way they, they have to shut us down, but that's, there's more working for us in the law than we realize. Well, maybe, there's, maybe that's something to pursue, because uh, I would certainly do that. Uh, yeah. I want to bring attention to what happened to me, because there was, there was hundreds of people involved in me over my life, and to make that fact known would yeah. make people aware of the prevalence of those who are involved in Satanism. Now, you know, Dave, um, I know we can't get into the details of this, but it's true that counselors who are involved in satanic ritual abuse therapy and counseling seem to be under the gun themselves now. There seems to be an attack on them happening. Do you want to talk about any aspect of that? Well, this happened during the, the late 1980s. There's all kinds of... Uh, you can Google all kinds of things that happened. And they intimidated... Uh, therapists. They threatened therapists. My own therapist, the lovely lady who helped me, uh, was threatened and uh, just kept working away quietly with all, with all her many clients. If a therapist doesn't know that Satanism's there, they're not going to find it. Or if they don't believe in it, they're not going to find it. The CMHA, which is the Canadian Mental Health Association and the uh, College of Psychology, are part of the conspiracy of silence. They do not want... My healer's name is Sandra Fecht, and she, with her healing methods of re, recalling these uh, your body memories, you're able to piece together what happened to, your, what happened to you in your life, and with other methods, you're able to transform yourself from what you were into, into what God truly intends you to be. And that's what I believe has happened to me. But the last thing... The CMHA, or the College of Psychology, or those in the power structure, want people, they don't want people with dysfunctions, they don't want people in mental hospitals knowing what and who did what to them, because those people right. will be pointing fingers at some right. powerful people, and at just at every other day people. Because in my own case, you know, the, the, those who would consider themselves the elite of their communities were involved. Right. Well, here's the question, and, and obviously in a lot of people's minds, is we're dealing with the system. We're dealing with a system of evil, not just individuals. And the people running that are very high-placed in the government, in the courts. Um, you know, the, they're high-level judges involved in this, and we have direct evidence of that from the West Coast. So how do we go about this except by getting a lot of people aware and active? What are your thoughts about that? Well, if I, know how, if I knew how to do that, Kevin, I would have already done it. Yeah, know, I know. I, I'm open to ideas. The idea you just had, I would like to pursue that with you at some point. I'm, uh, I'm not afraid to spend some money investigating with, with a lawyer on that because I'm determined that I, I, you know, you know, I mean, if you're a spiritual person, you believe you accepted this life. So if mm -hmm. I get accept this life, I think it's to do some good, and I hope I get a chance to have some good come of my life. And, you know, for me, uh, children are something that are very special to me, and I can't stand the thought of children being subjected to what I and many of my friends have been right here today, and the media doesn't care the government doesn't care. Is there, there's no such thing as a journalist anymore. I've sent, uh, I've sent information to journalists that if they just made a phone call, they could have started pursuing it. But they don't want to hear it. They don't want to know it. Well, one so, encouraging thing I can pass on to you, Dave, and also uh, I forgot to mention this earlier to the listeners, but this last week, the Ninth Circle Satanic Cult that we exposed using Vatican documents and two eyewitnesses who were at the cult ceremonies, the Ninth Circle is being debated for the first time in the, uh, in the Belgian and the Dutch Parliament. We just found out that two members of Parliament started talking about Ninth Circle cult rituals. They were immediately 
banned from <laughs> from Parliament, and they're fighting that. But we're going to have more reports about that. This is beginning to cause a stir, and in the same way that the media now is forced to report a lot of this stuff about child abuse, you're going to see satanic Ninth Circle cult tied directly to the Vatican being talked about. And this is beginning to work. So that's, encouraged, that's going to create a whole legitimacy for this issue that they're trying to take from us right now by attacking you, your counselor, or other people. Well, I hope so. And, you know, if there was any journalists of their salt out there, they could connect all the dots from all the isolated news items they see on pedophilia. Pedophilia is the cornerstone of Satanism. And uh, connect all those instances of pedophilia that you hear about or read about, the uh, fact of child pornography, the millions and millions of dollars. That means there must be millions and millions of pedophiles, to me. And there's other isolated stories of... Uh, you know, the criminal acts of confinement of ones for some uh, evil intent, sorority hazings resulting in death. You know, we there's acts of torture, bestiality. Uh, there's all kinds of things in the news all the time that are all serial murderers, a lot of them. Uh, Paul Bernardo here. At the core, all that is uh, Satanism, people acting out what's happened to them. Why do you think it's so common in churches? I mean, you talked about the Anglican Church, the Catholics, the United Church in Canada that got away with mass murder of children without even one of them once being going to jail or trial. So why do you think it's so popular in churches, these crimes? Well, read the Old Testament. The Old Testament refers to uh, following the false gods, uh, worshipping the false gods, curses, spells, oaths, sex with children, human and animal sacrifice, bestiality. There's all kinds of... your child if they uh, speak back to you in Deuteronomy? Yep. Yeah. There's one about eating your children. Well, and and God gave his only son on a cross. He sacrificed him for our sake. I mean, the child sacrificial... and Sacrificial imagery runs right through Christianity. And I get that. I get how that psychologically prepares people for this. But how is it... And, you know, I've worked on this for 25 years, and I still don't have an answer at a heart level. How is it that they can look at themselves in the mirror every morning, they can go into their churches, sing their hymns, knowing they've got blood on their hands? Well, I can't answer that question, because I've had many... I've sent many letters to Primate Health of the Anglican Church of Canada, Father Victor Kiszczak of St. James Anglican Church in Paris, who I believe is a good man, who, who has knowledge... Uh, the diocese of Huron Diocese in London. Uh, I've mentioned to you many times, Kevin, that you know the London Diocese, Huron Anglican Diocese, supervised the Mohawk Residential Holocaust in that House of Satan that was Mohawk Residential School. They also supervised St. James Anglican Church, where I went to, which was only seven miles from Mohawk Residential School. And you were taken there. Yeah. We forgot to ask you about that. Yeah, you were taken there, right? I believe I was taken there to fight other kids for the amusement of those adults present. But you had asked about the churches. The level of consciousness of mankind in the days of the Old Testament were such that they would cut your hand off if you stole a loaf of bread to feed your family, right? So is it so hard to imagine that during those times, as the churches organized, they were, they were organized to control the masses, and keep them from the truth, the fact that we don't really need a church to talk to God. Right. We don't need a church to be spiritual. And so they can control the masses and dictate what we're taught or, or what we learn. And so that's what I believe all the mainstream churches were. They started out in evil, and some of them still have remnants of that evil in there to whatever degree. I believe... Well, right. And, evil. you know, the, the, the power of common law, Davis, it says that exactly what you said, that we stand under the, the natural law of the Creator, and all are subject to judgment. It doesn't matter what your so-called protection is. You can be judged by the people of your community. So under that law, if you walk into a church and you put money in the collection plate, you are involved in a criminal act. You are aiding and abating a criminal. It's like if somebody comes and gets you to hide a murder weapon, and you sit next to them at church on Sunday, you're, you're helping them. And you're as guilty under the law as the person who did the crime. So all the church members fall in that category. They are guilty just by walking in there. And 
that gives us a great moral lever. And it certainly worked. It certainly forced an apology out of the Canadian government. It only took two dozen of us to do that because we were standing on the truth, and they knew it. They know they're guilty. So it seems in your case, that's even more the case, because you're a living witness to this. You're not shut down like most Native people have been. You are speaking out clearly and bravely. So I think you've got you know, you're going to be a rallying call for this movement, a rallying symbol, Dave. And I, I really want to encourage you on this. Well, I will do whatever I think is in the best interest to make make known the prevalence of Satanism so that children and others vulnerable can be protected. Yeah. Do you know right now uh, the activity, somebody sent another question, what is the cult doing today? Are they still doing these activities in the same neighborhood, or can you name areas where they're operating? It has evolved since the beginning of time, so if the people that first started on me when I was a child or in their 70s or 80s, if they're still alive. They, I don't know if they still go to cult meetings, but the, their own children, who they put through the same things as me, that maybe weren't as fortunate to be able to choose light over darkness, are doing the same things. It's happening everywhere right under our noses. Right. Yep. And they go where the children are. So think about where children are, because you know, while there is many good people involved in where the children are there's also many that aren't that have hate in their heart that are there also because the children are vulnerable well just a few weeks ago i had as a, a guest on our show a woman a uh, clergy woman from america who lost her job um and it, with the lutheran church although it, it, it affects all the other churches as well she tried to report child abuse in her congregation they fired her and in america get this and the same in canada Clergy are not under obligation to report child abuse. So, I mean, if, if there's no legal requirement, they're going to, people are going to do the crime, and the others who will are going to stand by and let them happen, unless they're forced under the law. And that's why we need not the Crown Law, because it's, it's controlled. We need this common law approach. And, and uh, you know, we want to start arming people with this, convening in our own courts of inquiry, that kind of thing. Well, I don't understand enough about the common law uh, courts to make a comment on it, but I guess it's something to be pursued. I'd rather fight through the regular channels that are there, because then if you have a victory, it's a big victory. But, uh, yeah, I'm open won't. to... Many <laughs> Sorry, ideas. You won't. Anyway. Um... We've got about 10 minutes left, Dave. I want to ask you, what are the things you want to share with people that are the most important? Well, number one is that the prevalence of cults and secret societies, the number of people involved will will uh, shock, amaze, and astound you. But equally as important is healing from post-traumatic stress disorder. You can heal from post-traumatic stress disorder, but they're trying to shut that down the very same because, of course, using the methods that can heal post-traumatic stress disorder will make you know what happened to you and who did it. So the right. power structure that exists does not want that to happen. The Canadian Mental Health Association does not want that to happen. The College of Psychology does not want that to happen. And they control all our learning institutions for medical people, social workers. So they're not made aware of the possibility of this stuff even going on, even though it's occurring everywhere. And uh, Sandra Fecht, if people want to Google her name, that's the healing lady who's facilitated my healing. God, God facilitated my healing through her and others. Because I've I've had uh, I've had body memories through at least three other healing type of people, and many on my own. It's it's very simple to learn these methods. So if you suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, which you will if you've experienced Satanism, sexual abuse, or other kinds of abuse, it can be healed. You don't have to live with it. How do you know if you have post-traumatic stress disorder? If somebody says something or you encounter circumstances that completely throw you off your game, make you angry for instantaneously, these are signs that you may suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. I went through my whole life suffering from PTSD without even knowing what PTSD was. Dave, I had another question come here. It says, um, 
Has there been any backlash or consequences for you by being on the last show? Did anything happen after? No. No. Uh, no, nothing happened for me. Nothing happened against me. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty vocal where I am. I make, I've made some YouTubes. I write letters to perpetrators and uh, press and media. They know that I will do right. anything in my power that's legal and moral to make known what happened to me. So, Well, I'd suggest that the reason you haven't faced repercussion is because we're giving you such public exposure, because you're well-known, put the letters out there. They don't want to touch you because it would be obvious who did it. So I just really want to emphasize the more public we are and people like you are, the better it is for us. I agree with that wholeheartedly in most situations. Each person has to figure out for themselves what they're capable of. But to live in fear is not living, and I refuse to do that. But the one thing... Brother, I want to thank you um, for everything, and we're going to be working more. We'll have more updates on this. Um, just in closing, uh, is there anything like... Uh, do you want to send a contact email out to people right now? Do you want to refer them to a website or any kind of follow-up? I would like to say one thing is about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key to a lot of this. By forgiving all the people involved against me, by realizing they can do no different than they did because of their present level of spiritual involvement, I set myself free from the anger and from the grief and from the despair. And so forgiving is a, is a key thing in life. I think that's what will lead us to a happy life. If anybody wants to email me, it's, it's davestaffen88 at gmail.com. Dave, thank you again, and we'll carry this on. I want to thank you, brother. Thanks for calling today. Okay. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Dave Staffen uh, from Central Ontario, and he was on before. We didn't want to announce that earlier. Um, just for security reasons, but uh, there's a bigger story involved in this. We weren't at liberty today to go into the details, but it involves uh, people in his support network who are now facing major persecution. When the uh, story breaks more, we'll, we'll bring more information to you on that, but I want to emphasize to people that all of us are under attack here. Anyone who puts their head above water and starts challenging these things um, gets targeted in some way, to varying degrees, but we have to stand by each other. And in that sense, again, I want to remind you, next week is going to be a very special show. We are hopefully going to have reports of these takedowns of the Ninth Circle from these different cities. Uh, and again, you have to be asking yourself, how can you take action in your community to stop this happening? Uh, if you go to Amazon.com, put my name in, Kevin Annett, you'll notice a book, Establishing the Reign of Natural Liberty. That's our common law training manual. You can look in there, concrete ways of setting up common law courts of inquiry, citizen sheriffs in your community to arrest known child rapists and traffickers. All of that stuff is something we can do together. Uh, there's also the... Um, the ITCCS program in there, the program of seven points of how to stop these actions. Uh, you know, when we say we've got to disestablish these criminal bodies, we're not talking out of our hat. You plant an idea. It's, it's an interesting thing that an idea is like a virus. You can't get rid of it. It starts spreading among the community, and it, it penetrates where a whole army can't because it's an idea. And the idea is is that these institutions do not have the right to operate because they're criminal in nature. And we, the citizens, we, the people, have the right to shut them down. Now, the, the Vatican, which is behind a lot of these crimes, is a convicted criminal body for the last two years. And not only is it being stopped on April 30th to defend these children, but in a broader sense, the property and assets of the Roman Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the United Church of Canada, and other convicted criminal bodies, those assets are forfeited, as is the property. Those are taxpayer-funded institutions. You can walk into a church as not long as you're not harming anyone, and you can shut it down. You can take the money out of the collection plate on the basis that it's being used for criminal purposes. And, you know, folks, this opens enormous theater. I mean, bring, imagine bringing a lot of homeless people in and taking the money out of the big Catholic cathedral in your town on the basis of, well, Jesus told you to do this anyway, didn't he? So we're doing it. <laughs> but we're also uh, taking money away from a criminal body. I'm telling you, when you threaten the money and the public image of these churches, they collapse. They did already over the residential school stuff. Two dozen of us made them collapse in Canada. And even more at work, we can bring down these institutions and save many lives. So I want you to keep that in mind. 
even if you can't immediately arrest these people, you put the out, idea out there. And as that old venerable community organizer, Sololinsky, said, the threat of an action is often as effective as the action itself, because the opponent is big and cumbersome, and they know they're guilty. And that gives you a great advantage, according to Sun Tzu in The Art of War, which is also in our book, Establishing the Reign of Natural Liberty. So please order that and my other books. They're very cheap and affordable, 10 bucks usually. Uh, Murderbydecree.com, you can see the other evidence of crimes in, uh, in Canada, the crimes of genocide. And uh, I just want to thank you for tuning in. Now, carry this on. Our shows are, are archived at www.bbsradio.com slash Radio Free Canada. This show will be up within the next couple of days. Refer people to it. Download it. Share it on other sites. We are building a great momentum on this whole thing. We already have the issue being debated in the parliaments in Europe, and more is going to come. And so, anyway, this has uh, been a, a great show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We'll be back again here next week, same time, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern at BBS Radio. ITCCS.org is the website. And write to us, republicofkanata at gmail.com, if you want to be involved. Thank you, brothers and sisters, and until next week, stay strong and stay clear. <laughs>